1: i
0: This is the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Again, that code is CHGO when you sign up with PointsBet. Hello, my name is Corey. I am joined as always by Brendan and we've got baseball, folks. This is our first series review of the season. If you've been listening to Brendan and I for the last six years, we, we kind of like to look back at, at, in this case, the three games. It was supposed to be four, but uh, three games that were and, and take a look at all that went down, the trends, the good stuff, the bad stuff, and 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 break it all down. So we are looking forward to doing that. It was a very cold but overall successful weekend at Wrigley Field. Brendan, the Cubs take 2 of 3. It was f- it was fun. You saw a lot of the homegrown pitchers pitch well
1: in that second game. Just seeing guys like saya and Frank and Patrick and Nico out there, it's just good to see everyone back.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, hope springs eternal, right? And It does. It, it was funny, like on opening day, you know, we, we've we all, we've talked a lot, uh, you and I and, and the rest, of course, of the CHGO Cubs crew about the expectations and what we're all thinking for this team. and World Series, right, yeah. And... You know, you get into like the first and second inning on opening day, like as much as I tried to go in with like, well, you know, let's see what happens and we're going to have fun and it's opening day, it's Wrigley Field, you know, like two seconds in, I'm complaining about the zone, I'm yelling (laughs) at the Christian Yelich, like it it takes nothing to switch it back on and it's like full gear.
1: I know. Well, you got to have to retain that. Like for me, it's the first inning, you know, I see one base hit. I'm like, all right, well, this looks different. Right. So uh, for For me, I have to, I have to like, uh, bring down my expectations at times.
0: Right. But so we'll, we'll get into some of the specific stuff first, uh, excuse me, some specific stuff in a second here, but just like generally Brendan to start, yeah. Um, a 5-4 to four victory on Thursday behind five and a third. Really solid innings from Kyle Hendricks that you'll break down for us in a little bit. Five hits, one earned run, three walks, and seven strikeouts for the professor on opening day. Friday, of course, is uh, postponed due to weather. It was freezing here. There was rain. I think there was snow later in the evening, so probably for the best that they didn't play that one. Saturday, a 9 to nothing victory behind five shutout innings from Justin Steele. Four hits, one walk, five strikeouts, and no earned runs for Justin Steele, and then a 5-4 to loss on sunday to wrap up the series marcus stroman's debut five innings two hits one earned run three walks and three strikeouts so those are the scores and the pitching lines but generally brendan like regardless of where your expectations were for this team your excitement level for this season whatever you were feeling you start the season taking two out of three games from the Milwaukee Brewers they come into the season as the favorite you know the defending champions in the division you're facing the top three in the rotation and you took two out of three so all in all a really successful weekend.
1: Yeah, very good. I think, generally speaking, the big takeaway from this series for me was the difference in plate approach from what we're accustomed to. Sure. So you see it right away. Heavy contact approach up there. You got you have guys like Madrigal, Nico, Seiya, Frank. Those are heavy contact guys. In some cases, maybe all, all those guys I just listed may have well above league average contact by, by year's end. So as I'm watching the game, you know, Power is fine. Strikeouts can be fine, but it's just like such a stark contrast. And whether or not that ends up being good for this team in the long run, it's just it's it's kind of nice to get this type of different approach, right? It's just like a different way of watching baseball than what we've seen now for what is it five years? Right. And there were instances too, even throughout this series. We can look at say, I we'll get into in a second here, but. They're they're not swinging at bad pitches, so it's not just a contact, but they're grinding at bats, and that's what we saw in late 2015 and throughout 2016, getting to the bullpen of the opposing teams by like the fourth and fifth and sixth innings, most of the time even through the fourth and fifth inning. So it's it's nice, Corey. It's different. Again, not saying different in like oh this team is you know better and because we're not hitting you know because we're not striking out. It's not that's not the case, but it's just. It's nice to see something different, if that makes sense. Sure,
0: yeah. We we will continue to probably argue, and we and everybody else in the Cubs media sphere has talked pretty much all the time about the difference of this team and the previous teams, you know, led by the core, all that other stuff, and, you know, whether one is better or which direction they should have gone, etc., but... it it, it did feel different, at least for three games. And of course, like the usual caveat in an episode like this, like it's three games. It's the beginning of the year. Like nobody's making any sort of sweeping conclusions about really anything that we saw. But these are the games we have to discuss. And at least for these three games, it did look and feel different. Mm. Like you said, whether that ends up being a good thing or a bad thing as we go forward here. What also stood out to me, Brendan, is that you saw in this series how this team would be successful, right? You saw an example of what this team can do to try and put together a competitive and successful season, right? In really all three of these games, they scored enough runs, they got a solid performance out of their starter, Uh, the bullpen had some good performances, some bad performances, they were patient at the plate, they made contact, and it you you know they win nine to nothing on Saturday but overall in the series I don't think you necessarily felt like it was a dominating performance by the Cubs or like an explosive performance but they did what they needed to do to win games and it was a lot of the stuff that we talked about in this offseason and spring training about what would it look like if this team were competitive and you saw it this weekend whether they can sustain it like that's what we have to figure out but you saw a different look to this team, and you saw how they would go about winning games. I, I do want to touch on the patience thing that you noted. So there's a couple of things with uh, Burns and Woodruff that you know really stood out about this lineup. So the which, Cubs, which by the way, I mean, just to beat those two guys, like to start the season, that that's
1: that's impressive. Those are two Cy Young candidates that they really worked counts uh, against. Corey, before you get into it, I just want to emphasize that that is really impressive. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah.
0: That's that's the general like you and I. I always talk about how frustrating it is when they go for the sweep and they lose a game in frustrating fashion uh, on the finale right and and it sort of like leaves a sour taste in your mouth a little bit for the mm-hmm. weekend but the overall takeaway you took two or three from a team that came into the year as the favorite in the projections and everybody's predictions et cetera, to win the division you took two or three you went up against burns woodruff and peralta and you got a series w that's the yeah. takeaway and right? you
1: look good doing it it right. wasn't like a you know kind of like a fluke type win where you're not hitting these guys they hit them right they work out and said look good
0: yes They they were up to the task Uh, on Thursday. The Cubs struck out seven times total against Corbin Burns, and a friend of the podcast, he was on the season preview from Bleacher Nation. Michael Cerami tweeted out that the Cubs finished with fewer than seven strikeouts in a single game, just thirteen times all of last season. And you're talking about a guy in Corbin Burns who led all of MLB starters last year. He won the Cy Young with a 35.6% K rate, and they struck out seven times, right? And then on Saturday against Woodruff, he threw 40 pitches in that first inning. They took three walks, they had a hit, and they scored three runs off of Burns in that first inning on saturday like that is really good work let me read these numbers brandon woodruff threw 89 pitches in three and two-thirds innings of work on saturday and he takes the l on thursday 83 pitches from uh corbin burns in five innings of work they walked three times. They struck out four times against Burns. That is really, really solid work yeah. from this Cubs offense. Whatever you you think of of the overall group or what they're going to do going forward, they went up against a really tough pitching staff this weekend, and they had a game plan. They executed it, and when those guys were not precise and finding the zone, they didn't give into it. They didn't bail them out. They let them Walked them. They 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 let the ball come to them. The it, the overall approach looked really good on this particular weekend. It
1: did, and you saw a different cast of guys going out there and doing the same type of approach or the same style of approach, like Nick Madrigal and Say Suzuki and, and Frank Schwindel, and even at times Patrick Wisdom. Like you can tell. They're not going to swing at those borderline pitches. Uh, with Seiya, like there's so much to talk about him. It was such an impressive series from him. Not just the fact that he had, you know, walks, hit a home run. It's just the way he went about doing it. And Ross did say, just to paraphrase, not swinging at those pitches from from this entire team wide approach. That's going to pay dividends by by year's end if this continues. Just that style of approach and during times for the last few years, right? One other noticeable thing that comes with this type of approach is we knew about the feast and famine. There, there was always these discussions that that we had for years where we couldn't articulate why for some stretches the Cubs are going to put up, you know, eight plus runs in, in a few games and they go blank for the next like three to four games. And I remember too, Sahad of Sharma showed a distribution graph of how many times the Cubs scored eight plus runs versus scoring under like three runs. And it was such a weird distribution that other teams didn't have. And as I'm watching these three games, that's what I mean. It's like, oh, you know, like they may not score seven plus runs as the Cubs used to do and destroy and blow out teams at times. But I, I feel as if, and it's so early, and it's hard to tell, and these guys have to go through changes. But I feel as if the the variability is going to be a little bit less with this team. And you can see it working out where this team does kind of, in the immediacy, look like a contender. Now, again, can that continue as you go through June and July and August? The projections say no. But at the same time, these types of approaches, these heavy contact approaches, those are among the most predictive variables for teams in any hitter so if that continues I, I I do think that a conversation might be had where this team could be a little bit more interesting than we thought not to like go aboard, overboard with expectations but it is a realistic possibility.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So it's that, kind of like the, the general thoughts on the weekend and, you know, getting into the specifics, you brought it up, but there, you know, there's no specific player that I want to start with than the weekend that we just saw from, say, a Suzuki. Yeah. Because that was awesome, awesome Brendan. Was. I mean, what a weekend, what a debut, what an introduction to Major League Baseball, the Cubs, Wrigley Field. It, it 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 it's not even one specific thing what what stands out for me so overall on the weekend saya has three hits he hits a homer he drives in six runs he scored two runs and just like in his scouting report and some of those NPB stats, he walked exactly as many times as he struck out for each, right? And yeah. you know the these numbers don't matter at this point, but it is still fun to look at his slash line of three seventy five, five thirty eight and seven fifty, uh, right, Average OBP and slugging. But what really stood out to me, on this particular weekend is that debuts can sometimes be all over the place, not just for international free agents, but for guys that sign big free agent contracts or guys that come over in trades. I mean, we've had so many of them, uh, even in, in just the past, you know, in our in our lifetime, Brendan, you think of like Nomar coming over from the Red Sox, the oh, hype the that best. was around that. Yeah. Um, you know, Kosuke Fukudome's opening debut in that big home run. Um, Nick Castellanos, when he came over, like there's, there's so many that, that come to mind. Rich Harden. Rich Harden's debut. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, that was, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, like so many, so many different like debuts and introductions and things like that. And they can go so many ways. What really stood out to me about Suzuki is that you saw exactly the player that was advertised it's only three games. He's going to adjust. Pitchers are going to adjust. We'll see how it all goes. But you saw exactly what you read in those scouting reports. Mm -hmm. You saw plate discipline. You saw a guy that has an approach. He will take walks. He's a good base runner. He's going to hit towering home runs, just massive, like deep, high home runs. Yeah. And, you know, a command of the strike zone, a patience, an ability to let pitchers put him on base if that's what they want to do, you just... You just saw exactly the player that Jed Hoyer believed he was signing in these three games, and I'm so thrilled for him. And like the the energy he's bringing, the photos of his his smile in the dugout, his his bow with Willie Harris when he's rounding third base. What a weekend for Seiya Suzuki! He's bringing the team snacks too. Yeah, like, what a, what a
1: guy! That note what was
0: adorable,
1: Brendan. I know. I love it. I love this guy. Like just one stat. This is so early, so don't take this out of context, but it. Just goes to show you his mindset. It, it, it exemplifies his mindset. He swung Corey at four percent of pitches outside the strike zone. Four percent of pitches. That is absurd. The major league average is thirty-two percent. That's insane. So to me, like, I don't know. I don't know if this makes sense, but it's he's almost like watching the hitter version of Kyle Hendricks. Like, it's refreshing. Like, he's not going to swing at bad pitches. He's going to stay within his game approach. And even though he was striking out at times, he's striking out just like looking at pitches. In his last strikeout, he just watched three straight pitches. That's fine. They were borderline pitches. He's going to stay within his zone. But he's also making contact. Even when he was swinging at pitches outside the zone, which was just a few, he made contact against those pitches. His overall contact, he made in 90% of his swings this series, Corey, and he's hitting moonshots as we saw in that final series. So a rather final game. So I mean like again, it's three games, he's going to have to adjust, but you see why the Cubs went out and signed him. And you know, they gave Stroman 70 plus mil, they end up giving Suzuki 100 mil when you factor in the the NPB payout. That, that 100 mil is like no, no joke right now with where this team is at and their stage of their uh, timeline for competitiveness. So it goes to show you that what they looked at when he was in Japan, the underlying trace, this discipline and contact, they had an idea this would carry over to the league. And it's not just a series, but when I hear... Ross or hear about the guys talk about his approach and how he's talking about balance and in at bat adjustments that speaks to this this high baseball intellect that he has and you can see as you watch his facial reactions his overall demeanor he he is really focused on balance and timing and it is it's refreshing it's a it's a different way from what I've been used to seeing you know other other hitters not just on the Cubs but throughout the league. This is very refreshing, Corey.
0: Yeah. Again, it, it it's not just, you know, six RBIs in three games is great. The home run today was great. Like, it's it's not just that. It's how he went about it and how he, yeah. he looked in these plate appearances and, and the comfort level that he had. And when it aligns directly with what you believed he would be bringing from the NPB, it's exciting when you see it sort of immediately translating. And again, to reiterate, against, you know, no joke of a pitching staff. He's thrown in there to make his uh, major league debut against the reigning Cy Young winner. Like, that's no joke, and he was up to the task. So that was yeah that that was a, that was a really exciting debut after you know thursday i ran over to uh the new obvious shirt store that's like kitty corner from my apartment <laughs> and he's you know joe uh, over there has a old sega logo that says saya on the shirt and i was like yeah i've seen one game of this guy and i'm i'm buying a shirt it. like i'm i'm all <laughs> in like right I'm, I'm i'm yeah. completely all in on this guy
1: but like the confidence he has too right like I don't know. I mean, like, for me, like, if I went to a foreign country and, you know, trying to acclimate, like, I'm not going to have the confidence to do that. This guy's coming in right away, fitting in with everyone, and it looks like nothing faces him. I I am beyond impressed, Corey, just with his attitude and his overall performance. Like, this is, like, I had high expectations, but even he is exceeding those high expectations.
0: Yeah, and absolutely loved the roar that he received uh, when he went back out to right field, today after hitting the home run you know he he seems like a humble guy you know he wasn't necessarily mm-hmm. hamming it up to the crowd but uh, what was he doing I think you could tell that he he well he he waited for Jay Hay and was ready to you know get his throws in I think he you know did okay. a nod or whatever but um cool. I'm sure he he felt the love and and the energy from Wrigley Field and I hope that it was everything you know when as we're sitting here saying that uh, he was everything, at least in these three games that we were hoping for. I hope that Wrigley Field was what he was hoping for. You know, he was certainly mm. sold on the Cubs' experience, and I, I think that the crowd was certainly giving him that energy. So I, I, hope that he, I hope that he felt that.
1: Yeah. All right, quick break here from our sponsor PointsBets. The best way to support CHGO is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you make $50 or more for the first-time deposit, you will receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. If you have any questions, email pointsbet at chgo.com and we'll help you out. Remember, that's pointsbet is your home for live in-game betting. They even have a new exclusive feature, live NBA same-game parlay for the first time ever. Build a perfect live same-game parlay only with PointsBet. Combine your favorite bets anytime during the game. And you can even boost your live same-game parlays. And now online sign-up is available in Illinois. You can actually download the PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish. All from your phone. Signing up with the fastest sportsbook is easier than ever. So, you can start living your bet life in seconds. Use code CHGO to get two risk free bets up to $2,000. So, what are you waiting for once the game starts? Don't just bet, live your bet life with points bet. Gambling problem call 1 800 522
0: 4700. And of course, don't forget to support all that we are doing at CHGO podcasts and live shows on every team. Every day, post-game shows, Luke and Cody led the charge on Thursday. They were nice enough to have me on there. They had Ryan Herrera from Wrigley Field on the first post-game show on Thursday. Those will get going again this week Uh, after the Cubs games. There is premium written content for all members at allchgo.com. You get a free shirt when you become a member and access to the members-only Discord, the CHGO Lounge. Again, podcasts, live shows, post-game shows, and great written content over at allchgo.com. Brendan's writing on there. We've got our guy Ryan Herrera and Jared Willis, who are going to be out at Wrigley Field covering the team, writing about the team, talking to the players, and and David Ross. Uh, so head over to allchgo.com and become a member today. So, We could continue gushing about, say, a Suzuki probably for the next hour, but we'll save some of that for the rest of the season. Um, Just any other thoughts on the offense as a whole here? So uh, I'm I'm not going to go back and listen to our uh, preseason preview with Michael or any of the other episodes, but I don't recall either of us having Nico Horner with the first home run of the season. I know that was a welcome sight for you. Um, I I know I almost passed out seeing it. uh, Yeah I I, I needed to do a wellness (laughs) check. Brendan has been uh, you know hoping for more power and slug from Nico. Got into one today too. It died uh, you know kind of in left field but another kind of Mm. similar you know hard line drive in the in you know trying to get into that basket area. Um, But any any thoughts generally on the offense? So just a couple things that I would point out before I throw it to you. Uh, Some trends that we see at least in this first series. All righties thrown by the Brewers but we do See Rafael Ortega lead off in all three of these games. We see Nick Madrigal follow him in all three of these games. Nico Horner hitting in the nine spot in all three of these games. Uh, Ian Happ probably would have been out there again. He had a very nice series before getting hit in the knee. Uh, all that appears to be good. Uh, you know, just taking the day off Sunday. The Cubs have off on Monday, so hopefully he is ready to go on Tuesday. But but anything uh, outside of, uh, say, a Suzuki jump yeah. out to you with the offense?
1: Well, I mean, Ian Happ is the, the the next guy who has such a great series. Unfortunately, he got beamed in that kneecap there. But I mean, three hits in the opening day, and then the next game, he had another two hits, uh, hitting for you know power, looking, extending at bats. Um, he looked good, right? I mean, we've seen Ian do this during stretches for you know, so many seasons dating back to 2017. So it sucks that, unfortunately, it sounds as if he avoided any type of severe injury, but it just sucks that he couldn't play in the last game. You want to see that continue. Uh, outside of Ian just taking a step back, generally speaking, I I do like what Ross did with batting Ortega leadoff, but he did so in a way that we, we saw it even on opening day where Clint Frazier pinched it for Ortega, and then you saw on the last game, Hermosillo came in for two at-bats um, when the matchup permitted. So I, I I like that. I like Ortega's patience, but you're also using guys off the bench that make sense in selective matchups, including Clint Frazier, who we know has patience. And let's say a lefty comes in, you, you know you're going to get... a. Uh, gonna get a good at bat from from clint from a plate discipline point of view and even her most uh, CEO against like lefties you're going to see the same type of uh, uh situation right there so i like it you know we saw alfonso rivas back cleanup on the last game we saw vr get in at third base we did see surprisingly maybe for me i don't know how you feel about it but i did not expect patrick wisdom to bat in the eighth spot mm-hmm. um and he's interesting too. Maybe we can talk about him throughout the next few weeks and see how his progress looks. But from my perspective, there's no numbers to back this up, but just visually looking at his at-bats, we talked about it before. He's sitting maybe a little bit deeper in his at-bat. But you know the, the logic for that is to make more contact, to combat high fastballs, and to to not whiff as much as he did last year because he was in like the bottom two percentile in contact rate last year. And so for me I'm watching some of his at-bats and I'm seeing Patrick like not like I don't want to call it a b-hack. I cannot really explain this, but it looks as if the intention is to make contact. And not not in like a bad way. It just looks different to me. So as the next few weeks go along, you know, I'm going to be monitoring that. And Patrick almost did hit a home run in that second game. The wind knocked it down. During a summer day, that would have been a home run that we saw on the Marquee broadcast. But uh, taking a step back, yeah, just to summarize there, Patrick, uh, the uh, approach looked interesting. I like the leadoff logic. I like seeing, um, you know, the different types of matchups that Ross is using. And, of course, Nico. I mean, Nico, the, the, the home run, like I said, almost made me pass out. But just the amount of hard contact we saw from Nico this series was incredibly encouraging.
0: Yeah, and just, you know, Sunday, uh, a different look. He had VR at third base, uh, hitting third. Alfonso Rivas getting the start at first base, had a nice game, one for two. Uh, Some good defense over there at first, and then Frank came in for two at-bats later in the game. So, yeah, I I think we're going to see, you know, we kind of predicted uh, that Ross would be moving and shaking a lot of these guys. I think, uh, you know, glad that Clint got in there for a start on Sunday, would have you know, like to see Hermosillo get a start at some point. But, uh, you know. I mean, know, he got two at bats, though. Yeah. That's kind of the cool with, thing with, with Ortega. You know, three righties. Um, I, I think, you know, Ross had a, a particular group that he wanted to get out there. And I, I think overall it was fine. I, I, I do want to say, um, Two things on—if if I'm going to be as hard as I have been on Jason Hayward, I do want to commend him this weekend for two things that I saw um, from my vantage point. He he had overall, you know, a, a pretty decent weekend at the plate. A couple of the hits that he got, uh, I think he might owe the official scorer, uh, you know, a dinner or two. But um, <laughs> yep. the first is the relationship that he has with, say, a Suzuki, right? Yep. I think that's yep. really yep. visible yep. even at the games and then certainly when you watch the highlights there is clearly a a presence that they want Jason to have in helping, say, get accommodated to things. And you can see that, I think, when you watch the games and when you watch the highlights and just the way that those two are interacting in the outfield, that's visible. The second is that when the—when Keegan Thompson hit Andrew McCutcheon uh, on— Saturday. Do I, I don't want to spend too much time on that. The Brewers have hit the Cubs more than any other I mean, they're opponent. trash.
1: They're a trash yes. organization. They've been trash forever, Corey.
0: Thank you. Uh, yeah. They've hit the Cubs more than any other team has hit any other team in the league since 2020. They knocked Ian Happ out of the game. They hit Wilson, what, three times in this series?
1: I mean, it seems like a thousand times
0: from the last mm-hmm. few years. Give me a break that they're taking Kill exception me. to yeah. this. Yeah, you've got to be kidding that they're taking exception. At some point, the Cubs can't just stand there and get hit. I don't like no. throwing it, guys. I don't like turning this into a thing. But the league doesn't police this stuff, really. No. The Cubs no, are getting don't. drilled on a regular basis by this team. I'm glad that they it, debate whether Thompson did it on purpose all you want. It doesn't matter. I'm glad that they showed a little No, hold teeth. on.
1: But I think it does kind of matter, though, because there is gray—not to get too much in this, but there is gray area in what Keegan did. Sure. I'm not saying, like, that was intentional or not, but there is gray area there. And the reason he gets ejected is because Wilson's getting hammered up and right. in for the past yeah, two seasons.
0: Yeah, it's a joke. It's, it's, a, it's a total joke, and I— was just like rolling my eyes at the Brewers taking exception to this. Like, you, you're just yeah. going to hit hit the Cubs over and over and over again. You hit a guy in the kneecap today. You hit Wilson in the elbow. Andrew McCutcheon takes one in the butt, and, we're, and now we, it's gone too far. Give me a break, you know. know? You I lost know. two out of three. Go back to Wisconsin. Please leave the city of Chicago. <laughs> Thank you. But getting into Hayward, which is the point that we're talking about this, I'm sure, and by the way, like, if you tune in on Monday or whenever – Cody is on uh, the CHGO Cubs oh, podcast go next. Off. That was a yeah. little teaser of how we feel about the Brewers. Just wait until yeah. Cody unleashes uh, <laughs> his feelings <laughs> on that organization. But um, the first player on the Cubs, and this includes the infield, that was in front of the Brewers' dugout was Jason Hayward from center field. They have a really good view where it's panned out, and that man sprints from center field, now, and, did you see that in live time? Like when you're, when no, you're watching No, I had to watch this later. You. Okay. But you can see immediately, he's kind of thinking the same thing. He's like, no way. No way are you guys doing this. I'm not watching my guys get hit over and over again, and you guys are going to start throwing a fit because McCutcheon took a fastball in the butt. It's not happening, and he was the first one there. So I'll say whatever about where he's in the lineup, his playing time. We'll see how that all shakes out as the season goes on right? But he talked a lot about wanting to be a leader of this team, his presence on this team, David Ross, Jed Hoyer, they all pointed to a lot of that. And in this first series, he he talked the talk and he walked the walk. So yeah. kudos to Jason Hayward for uh, those two things on this particular weekend. Well, if you if you think about the logic of even using Hayward, I mean, we, we had this
1: discussion with Michael uh, on the preview podcast, like, why are they doing this? And one context we missed was the Seah situation. And there was was a fly ball in right field where Seah did back off and Hayward had to come in to the right field uh, area to kind of make like an unorthodox catch. Those are the situations that Seah will have to learn. And it's not to say that Ortega or Hermosillo couldn't do that, but I understand why Ross and the coaching staff rather prefer Hayward to take that step to help stay out there in right field. So I, I understand it now. Again, are, are we going to like it in the long term? We'll see what happens. But that is a point of emphasis that I did not consider. I know maybe you did not consider. And I haven't really seen much talked about that outside of what we've seen from Ross and seeing how those two interact out there in the outfield.
0: Yeah, but it, it was it was visible. And it's something that, you know, I think you can kind of understand uh, the importance of it. So we'll see how that all plays out. But yeah, again, like the overall takeaway, I, I read the stats on how this offense did against Burns and Woodruff, the, you know, racking up the, the pitches, making sure that those two guys were not going to go deep into the game. And that affects how the rest of the series plays out. The Brewers were able to deploy Williams and Hayter on Sunday in the fashion that they like to, to shut down a game. But you did a good job on Thursday and Saturday of making sure, you know, Burns only goes five innings, uh, Woodruff only goes three and two thirds. You made sure that they were not going to be able to do that on those two particular days, right? They were not going to be able to just use their formula to kind of shut down these games and it it was it was a different look it was an interesting look be curious to see when we finally get you know a a lefty starter out there which by the way the narrative potential on Tuesday is fantastic Brendan because it's Jose Quintana and I am no I I, I'm very hopeful that the Cubs knock him all over the park and they win that game but your reaction if they don't oh my god
1: (laughs) Well I didn't know he was pitching. I well there the I just I just brought end. that to you.
0: Um <sighs> So curious what this lineup looks like. Curious if, you know, some of these guys continue, you know, do we see Ortega and Madrigal at the top every time there's a righty? Like how does David Ross kind of continue to shake these up? Does Suzuki continue moving up in the order if he continues to look this comfortable? Uh, does Wisdom move up if it's against a lefty? Things like that. So there, there there's different things to consider. Um, last thing on the offense, and, and we we talked about it a little bit in terms of, you know, the home run. Um, but before we go to the pitching, like, how did you feel? We saw Nico Horner at shortstop all series, right? I mean, I we spent that, yeah. a lot of time talking about Carlos Correa, we talked about Trevor Story, we of course talked about Javier Baez. Like we got Nico Horner at shortstop all weekend. What do you think? We did. I, I mean, I, I love it, right? Like you see like you see how Nico Horner's
1: value would be so important for this team if that position's locked up. Now, we did see VR get the, I guess, ghost start, if you will, in his second game before it was rained out at shortstop. So I was curious why things changed, perhaps. But regardless, seeing Nico every day, he looked good defensively at shortstop, made a few nice short hop plays and hard hit balls. I'm curious to see how the defense plays up. We've talked about it. We did uh, hear Jen Hoyer even talk about Nico's arm and it being a little bit stronger than years past when he was at second base. But from an, a bat perspective, even the outs he made, you mentioned it on Sunday in the last game, had a nice hard hit ball to left field. He was, he was blasting the ball all over the place. He had a few outs to right field that unfortunately were caught and he had a few hard grounders that unfortunately were right at the third baseman. So I, I love it. I think right now with him in the, in the ninth spot, probably makes the most sense, you know, but I want to see more. I want to see at least in, in the short term here, him get the majority of opportunities. Nothing against VR. I think him spotting in at third base here and there, depending on the matchup, makes sense. Even at shortstop, sparingly, but... We got to see more of Nico, because we're seeing the potential impact he has, not just for this season, but long term, if he ends up being what we saw this series, Corey.
0: Yeah, and you know, only a few opportunities, but him and Nick Madrigal did look pretty comfortable turning a few of those double plays, so that was good to see.
1: Actually, Madrigal looked pretty good out there defensively. Again, only three games, the the metrics are hit or miss with them, because it's such a small sample, but just visually looking at at Madrigal out there, he, he looked good, Corey.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you also saw, and I think they talked about this a little bit, but, you know, Nico, when they would do the shift on the right side, you know, playing that deeper position, using his uh, range and the versatility to kind of capitalize on the positioning. Um, And, you know, some of that stuff in, in a few years ago we were a little unsure of of the Cubs scouting and how they were doing all of that um and I know that there's been kind of a renewed emphasis on that technology and and strategy and things like that to make sure that they're optimizing their positioning and stuff like that and and Nico and his ability to move around and his range and and those types of attributes are going to be really key to that um let's talk pitching let's do it so Three really, you know, solid starts. Uh, none of these guys go particularly deep in the game. Uh, you know, Kyle Hendricks at five and a third is the deepest start, but we kind of, you know, we expected that um, with the the lockout and the shortened spring training and just getting guys ramped up. Um, but really, quality stuff. Um, so, if you want to dig into any of those three guys, I, I will seed it to you. And, and as we noted, I think perhaps just as an aside the coolest thing that we saw maybe this weekend uh was saturday that was four oh, that guys was so from the cubs system that combine to throw a shutout of the milwaukee brewers justin Steele, keegan thompson scott f Ross, and ethan roberts uh nine innings of shutout baseball only four hits all of those allowed by Justin Steele in the five innings 10 strikeouts and three walks between those four guys that we've seen come up the ranks in the Cubs system that's pretty cool and certainly not something we've seen in years past
1: yeah we'll start there and then we'll come back to opening day with Kyle but let's start that Saturday game so you had Justin Steele start the game I will say the results were good It's cold. It's hard for some guys to get acclimated to that cold weather, especially coming back from Arizona. So I I do think Steele got away with not having his best stuff, but he got away with it not just from luck or flukiness, but he did command his fastball exceptionally well. So if you look at his zone profile, the majority of his fastballs were thrown near chest high, and that's what you want to see in in. Uh, the 2021 season his fastball command was not as sharp and with justin Steele, and we'll see if they work on this but he has natural spin that promotes carrying action but the amount of carry that he has in his fastball is not as perhaps optimal as it might otherwise be for someone like him so we'll continue to monitor that as the year goes along but you saw at least from his first start fastball looked really good he leaned heavily on his slider rather than his curveball, and he threw a few sinkers, but it was basically four-seam slider. He threw a four-seam 60% of his pitches, and then a slider, 27% of his pitches, and then he sprinkled in sinkers, curveballs, and changeups. Uh, he got five whiffs overall, so not that many whiffs, but again, you know, his secondary stuff was not as sharp. The command was not as sharp, and it just wasn't moving as you typically would expect, Probably because he just couldn't get feel for that pitch, but you know he fought. The attitude is strong. We saw some good smiles out of Justin Steele, and I think the big takeaway from him was the fast, fastball command was was really good. And then following Steele on that day, Keegan Thompson looked really good. So that four seam, uh, the command just like Steele was pretty sharp. So he got four whiffs on his fastball in uh, eleven swings, pretty good. Cutter also very good. Similar to last year, he threw six curveballs, which was also really good. Um, and he got one whiff on two swings. So he definitely uh, fooled the Brewers batters into not swinging that much. And then he did sprinkle in 3 changeups. we We'll see if that continues. But we talked about him as a starter last year trying to develop maybe another secondary pitch in case he does have to go multiple innings. And so to see the changeup still being used, even though not that much, was interesting. So another pitch to monitor for Keegan Thompson there. And then seeing uh, Scott Ephraus come in, you know, only five pitches, but good for him. And then finishing off the game was Ethan Roberts, making his Cubs debut and majorly debut. And that cutter... Corey is absurd. That slider is absurd. At least to start the season, that data, the movement on that slider, is among the highest moving sliders in professional baseball, in major league baseball. Again, only a few pitches, only three pitches on that slider, but you see that pitch move like a like a wiffle ball. And so that's gonna be fun to see. We'll see if he if he can command that proficiently and consistently as we go along here, but that that was fun. Seeing four homegrown pitchers go out there and shut out the Milwaukee Brewers against again a Cy Young candidate in Woodruff and win nine to zero. That that was fun, Corey.
0: You certainly touched on I, I don't have much to add to your deep analysis, but I, I, I think you you actually tweeted this out. Like just the the smile on Ethan Roberts' face yeah. after shutting down that game. Um you know, we, we've we talked to so many people. I mean, Evan Altman from Cubs Insider, um, Greg Huss from the Growing Cubs podcast, Brian Smith from Bleacher Nation, like, who are, are really, like, they have really good relationships with a lot of these guys. They've done a lot of interviews with these guys. They've followed these guys' careers. And to see someone like Roberts, who who those guys have been talking about and watching for, for all this time, make his MLB debut – end it in the ninth inning uh, to, to finish off a shutout by yeah. another, you know, guy in the system in Justin Steele and just the, the sheer joy on his face um again it's it's one of those things where we talked about like a lot of roster turnover a lot of new opportunities a lot of new faces and some of that is not what we wanted but there is a silver lining to that and that it it does provide a lot of really cool moments and a lot of stuff that as fans we can really dig into and just be happy for these guys and and appreciate these kind of like fun wholesome and on saturday exciting moments yeah
1: you know, I'm looking, you know, sometimes I just do this, uh, as we, as we talk, but I'm looking at some of the differences in his pitches from last year. And I should have, I should have looked into this as it was happening, but I was watching Keegan throw and I'm like, is he throwing more over the top? Is like a release point. looks a little bit different. And so if we look at his four seam fastball, he has like three inches of more carrying action on his four seam this, this season. Again, only a few innings there, so you don't want to get too ahead of yourself. And the velo is down, probably because it was cold, but that was interesting. And his curveball is dropping about four inches more. And again, if that release point is maybe a little bit higher, we'll dig into it. That that's that's also a fascinating to see there, Corey.
0: All right, so next, Brendan, you you've spent so much time this offseason talking about what Kyle Hendricks needed to do differently than we saw in twenty twenty one, which, you know, statistically was the worst year of his career to get back to himself. So I I wanna know what you saw on Thursday and and how that's gonna bode to long-term success here in yeah. 2022. Obviously, the the numbers read very well, but digging under the hood, what you saw and, and why. It, immediately when I was at this game, I turned to a friend of the podcast, Ryan Tomier, and I saw one changeup that got an ugly swing. And immediately, I was like, vintage Hendrix, this is going to be a good <laughs> day. Because you can just tell, yeah. right? He gets that off-balance swing. The guy's timing is all off on the changeup. And you're like, oh, there's the changeup. Okay, he's got it. Yeah. And, you know, that ended up being what happened. But curious what you saw digging into Hendrix as much as you have.
1: Yeah, I mean, Hendrix looked uh, amazing. Before we get into that one last sponsor read here from uh, from PointsBet. If you enjoy CHGO, one way to help us continue to grow is to download the PointsBet app and use CHGO when you sign up. Not only are you going to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but if you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content. And you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. If you have any questions, email PointsBet at allchgo.com will help you out. And in case you missed it, online signup is available in Illinois. You can actually download the PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish, all from your phone. You'll be signing up with the fastest sportsbook, easier than ever, so you can start living your bet life in seconds. So what are you waiting for once the game starts? Don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. Gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. That was vintage Hendricks, right? I mean, he threw... The, the the one big thing from Hendricks, taking a step back here again, is he threw mostly change-ups against the Brewers. And we we talked about maybe him tipping pitches during this offseason, but not in the way of like, you know, it looks obvious what he's throwing, but just like the location at which he throws. So I think that was the, probably the big takeaway from Kyle is that he threw 40% change-ups in his outing. So that was the most of any pitch that he threw. Following that change of usage, he threw 25% sinkers, 18% four-seamers, and he actually threw 14 curveballs at a 17% rate. So he's been working on the curveball for, for years, and during some games, he has used a curveball at this rate. But on opening day from day one against a team that's seen him so much over the years, it's interesting to me that over fifty percent of the pitches he threw were change ups and curveballs. They 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 weren't fastballs. The command was good, the changeup, of course, really good. He got 13 whiffs from his changeup. He even this is cool. He got two whiffs from his curveball. And so this is also cool. So the Brewers only swung from 14 pitches, they only swung two times against that curveball. So that's that kind of like get me over curveball, but he still got whiffs when those batters swung. So we'll see how that continues to progress, but we've seen for years Kyle talking about the curveball, maybe wanting to use it more. Maybe this is just a Scotty report matchup situation because he did lean heavily on his changeup and on his curveball. But for me, that that is pretty cool to see a, a curveball being used that much and just seeing so much secondary pitch usage from a team that has at times actually had his number maybe because they've seen him so many times
0: yeah i mean from the stands it like i said you know you see that change up and he's he's always you know of course because his results have been great but he's always been uh, a favorite to watch because he he gets results in a different way right than most of the guys across the league and there's something really artful about a day when Kyle Hendricks is on right and the way that he changes speeds changes eye levels and really seems to have opposing hitters like in the palm of his hand right and that's in particular for me like 13 swings and misses on 22 swings on that changeup that's you know we say it's vintage hendrix but it's it's masterful brendan yeah. like the way that he knows how, where, where are these guys' heads at, the, the way they're going to be swinging, the pitches that they're going to be sitting on, and you get such ugly swings. And it really stands out, like you said, against a team like Milwaukee because most of these guys in this lineup have seen him a bunch. And so for him to be able to put a game plan together and execute it that has guys who have seen his stuff routinely in the division For the past several years and have them so off balance. It it's got to inspire some confidence in you for Kyle Hendricks uh, to be the version that we have grown accustomed to of him in years past rather than the version that we saw in 2021.
1: Yeah, I mean, listen, again, it's one start, right? So it's hard. We haven't seen these guys pitch in like six months. So sometimes it is easy to get carried away, but you just see Hints of what could be, and again, because it's been six months, and you know these guys are working on stuff during the off season. It's it is fun to see, and you can kind of dream of what could be, right? And that's that's the takeaway too from from kyle is like if he can return to what he was doing before 2021 that 2020 season the shortened season he was on man like he was not walking anyone he's getting strikeouts that was that was a really impressive performance so it's not as if it's been so long that we've seen kyle look that good uh one last uh tidbit from stroman on that last start and then we'll turn it over to a series preview Strowman looked good uh I mean, I love the pitch usage that he has. He threw five different pitches today, all equally spread out. So he threw a sinker 35% of the time, threw a slider 25% of the time, a splitter 16% of the time, four seam 13%, and then he finished off with some cutters just at a 10% rate. So a few notes from Lance Brosdowski, who is part of Marquee, who does phenomenal work, by the way. So he does really deep analysis on pitchers. Um, great follow. You should check him out. Uh, so, he noted that just in Strowman's first start, it looked as if he had four inches of vertical movement added to his four seamer. So, as we talked about, maybe with Keegan Thompson, having more four seam movement added, same thing for Marcus Strowman. And that means he's going to have more carry on that fastball. Uh, I don't know if that's going to be like the big turning point for Strowman and why he's successful, because his sinker and his changeup, or rather splitter, that type of similar axis, and like, especially with his sinker and his slider, and he he relies on his sinker so much, and that cutter and that slider goes the complete opposite way. Like, I don't know if the 4 seems is going to be like what changes his overall trajectory and makes him even better than what he was. But it is interesting to note that he, again, in one start, could be small sample, could be some weird measurements, but he did appear to have more carrying action on that four-seamer. Um, and then another note is that his slider was moving at 14 inches, which was around 11 inches last year. So the velo on the slider was slightly down as Lance noted. Um, so it's it's one start. We need to go back and look at the range of the sliders last year. Maybe like he also threw in some starts, 14%, or 14 inch sliders. So we'll go back and look at that. But uh, from him, the numbers look good. The stuff look good. The energy look good. I know he was really excited to be out there. I know before the game, he was pumping up the uh, left field bleachers. He was like doing some type of maybe meditation at center field uh, at the 400 sign marker. So it was fun. I think that's the that's the cool thing about Stroman is you're going to get really fun starts, but you're also going to get the attitude that goes with it and, and the, the charisma that goes with all these interesting pitches and, and the run prevention.
0: Yeah, the, the energy was there from from being inside the ballpark. Like you said, when he came out of the bullpen, um, I, I can't remember the song that was playing, but it, it fit the moment well. He came out of the bullpen. Of course, everybody got up and was cheering for him. He turned to the left field bleachers and kind of, you know, did the arms up in the air, like, let's go, like, make some noise. He was feeling it. The crowd was feeling it. Like, for a team that had pretty measured expectations, and it was a—Sunday was nicer. It was the higher 50s. Uh, nicer, right, in quotes. Um, Too cold. Yeah, but for a, a, a very cold weekend at Wrigley Field, a team that had measured expectations coming in, like, the crowd was pumped up. There, there, there was—we we kind of felt that it would be that way going into this, but, like, there was a vibe to the stro Show at Wrigley Field— On Sunday, if you can get to a game where he is pitching, I, I would recommend it there. There was an energy in the air. He was feeling it. He was bringing it out of the crowd. And the you know, the Wrigley faithful were ready to meet him right there. So that that was pretty cool when he got like those those early outs and coming off the mound like there there is a, a a palpable energy for Marcus Stroman that I think we knew would be the case we saw the shimmies off the mound in spring training you know of course we know him from the Blue Jays and the Mets like we we know who he is but until you're you're there and seeing it you're you know it's just stuff you've seen on TV or whatever but feeling it him in those pinstripes, like playing for the Cubs. He had talked about how, how much he was looking forward to pitching at Wrigley Field. And from being there in person, and I'm sure watching it on TV, you felt that. And that's, that's always cool when stuff like that kind of translates from – the sort of hypothetical i guess you know as we're building up to the season to then like living in those moments and you're like oh yeah like this guy is bringing an energy the vibes are good the crowd is energetic and up for all of this like this is cool this is the type of stuff you know we really like miss in the you know middle of winter and in the off season um before you preview this uh, short two gamer with the pirates just any, any general thoughts on the bullpen? Like, on for bullpen, me, yeah, it's yeah. it's three games, and I'm not going to nitpick the way David Ross used this stuff just yet. These guys got to get in there, and you have to sort of shake out the hierarchy, right? Like, I mean, that's it. Yeah. I liked what we saw in particular from Givens and David Robertson. Of course, the guys on Saturday that we already talked about. Um, but. You know, even like it it was a struggle of an outing today on Sunday for Jesse Chavez in his return to the Cubs, but Ross is going to have to get these guys in there, and if they struggle or they do really well, he's going to have to move the rolls around, decide who's getting certain leverage spots, uh, but he's not going to be able to answer that in one yeah. weekend. So I, I don't really, you know, it, it was a disappointing way to blow the game on Sunday, but I, I don't really have a particularly strong reaction to anything.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, he used Rowan Wick late in the game. He used... Uh, Robertson late in the game. He did use Givens late in the game. So those are kind of your three guys, at least to start the season, that you imagine getting those opportunities. I I did not like seeing Norris used uh, the way he was used, especially in the seventh inning. -inning, Multi-inning, you mean? Well, I mean, for his first outing, multi-inning, yeah. I kind of wish in that instance, they went straight to Givens rather than him going back out there. And I didn't like, I just don't like using him in the seventh inning right now. I understand that matchups might permit that. But he's clearly working on that slider, which looks fun, looks cool. I mean, he has way more movement on it. It's more of a sweeping slider. But I kind of want more, like for me, you know how I am. I want more certainty. And I feel there's so much uncertainty with Norris. And this is from a fan's perspective. We're not in it. But to me, it just seemed like kind of an overreach to start the season and use Norris in that situation. But. Outside that, I mean, you do have to work out the hierarchy. And the the big takeaway from the bullpen is that Wick is not, maybe not, but he did not get the chance to close out that game on opening day. And Wick actually did not look that great in his outing. The velo was down. It was cold. It is what it is. Don't read too much into it. But, you know, Robertson got the first chance at a ninth inning outing, and it was not Wick. So I thought Wick would get those chances, and he ended up not getting those chances.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. Again, like the the bullpen, you know, we've talked all offseason, you know, we kind of trust the Cubs to figure this out. But part of that is you have to figure it out. And unfortunately, yeah. the way you figure that out is some guys might come in and struggle in the role that you give them and some guys might excel. So uh, that's something that Ross is going to have to figure out. But at least for one weekend, I, I don't have, you know, any major complaints or anything like that. They'll They'll figure it out.
1: All right, so quick two-game series in Pittsburgh. Off day on Monday, unfortunately, but back out there on Tuesday. A weird start time. I don't understand why they're doing this, but it's a 3.12 p.m. start time. Uh, Again, I don't know why it's 3.12. But Drew Smiley on the mound for the Cubs. First start. Of the year, he'll be facing Jose tana So that is also Jose's first start of the year. The Cubs better hit him. That's all I gotta say. On Wednesday, we have Kyle Hendricks back out there on the mound, his second start on the year. He'll be facing JT Brubaker for Pittsburgh, who got roughed up in his first start for Pittsburgh. Uh, so, of course, he's looking to rebound. Kyle hoping to continue to do what he showed in his first outing. Pittsburgh lost their first series, their one and two on the year as expected probably going to hang out in the cellar for the entire season. The rest of the NL Central, you have the Cardinals, who also won their series at 2-1. The Cubs are 2-1. and one. The Reds are 2-1. and one. And Milwaukee, of course, is 1-2. and two. I mean, you kind of probably figure out what we're looking for, but how Ross uses that bullpen hierarchy, how he uses Nico at shortstop. Maybe he uses Nico elsewhere. I'm not sure. And how he uses his outfield. We saw Hermosillo get two at-bats, Uh, spelling Ortega mid-game. I'm looking to see how he continues to use that bench, how that lineup looks. Maybe Madrigal goes to lead off at some point. Maybe Nico goes higher. Maybe Sia goes higher. So this is the first few weeks where David Ross does have a chance to kind of mess with uh, things, toy around with things, see what works. And so we'll continue to monitor that
0: yeah so well what i'm seeing brendan is that the cubs and cardinals are both uh two and one you know the best yep. two records in the nl central but the cubs have yep. a better run differential by one so what so, i'm hearing yeah, is best. that the chicago cubs are in first place they are that's yeah. what i, I mean that, they're going to win the division that's what I i'm mean, hearing what we is saw. that they're the first place chicago cubs they took two yep. of three from the milwaukee brewers let's ride right um yep. As far as you know, it's a it's a two game series. I have also I, I was very confused at that start time on uh, <laughs> on Tuesday's game. I, I looked at that. I had to do a double take at the schedule. I mean, I've I'm never like, seen that twelve. I don't think I've yeah. ever seen a number like that. I mean, I've
1: seen um, weird start times for playoff games, but not for like early season games. I don't yeah, know.
0: the this, the White Sox were maybe doing a thing for a period where they were starting at like seven eleven because of a, a sponsorship or something. I mean that that makes but sense. But That makes but, like, sense. 3-12. Yeah, 312 yeah. is very weird. Anyway, in the middle of the week. Anyway, uh, us complaining about time aside. um, You know, look, like if you want to be competitive and you figure that things are going to be tight in this division, if you're a part of that conversation, you have to beat up on Pittsburgh, right? Like that's that's just how this works in a season like this. You have to capitalize on games with teams that are not good. We don't know what this Cubs team is going to look like as the season goes on. We are pretty positive that the Pirates are going to stink. So even though it's early like these games against the Brewers th- these games against, you know, Corbin Burns are just as valuable if he turns it on later in the year and is is looking like a Cy Young version of himself doesn't matter. They beat him, right? They count just the same. And it's the same with the Pirates, right? You got to you got to collect these wins if you want to have a chance in this division. It's not a good team and you should be able to beat up on them. And that's what you have to do to, to try and be successful in what should be a competitive division, however it shakes out and in whoever's involved. So um, yeah, a lot of the stuff we, we, you know, touched on. I think, you know, really like usually this early in the season, you kind of just want to see the guys that, um, you know, struggled or, you know, didn't have the best series, you know, just get their first hits, maybe hit their first home run, get those numbers looking looking a little nicer, even though it's early, right? Like, that's really all you're looking for. Like, just to avoid any guys going on a really deep, like, early season slide or anything like that. That's, that's really all I'm looking for. And, uh, yeah, collect those wins against the Pittsburgh Pirates. But, all in all, uh, a very successful weekend. I, I think that's that's the takeaway. It was a fun weekend at beautiful historic Wrigley Field. Uh, there was a lot to like in not just the Cubs winning two games, but as we kind of broke down the way that they won those games, the the individual performances, the overall performances as a team, just the way that it looked. It is you know perhaps hopefully right a glimpse mm. into how this team can win games and be competitive as this yeah, season goes on. A series right.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yes, right. Okay, we're getting uh, ahead of ourselves. But, (laughs) you know, that's really all it takes, right? They take two or three from the Brewers. We're like, all right, let's ride, you know. Let's go. Right? Yeah, let's do it. Um As always, uh, we do appreciate your support for everything we're doing at CHGO. Again, podcasts and live shows every team, every day. I believe the uh, CHGO Blackhawks podcast was going live as we were recording the audio for this podcast, Uh, so you can always check those for post-games, post-game shows, premium written content for all members at allchgo.com. You get a free shirt when you become a member and access to the CHGO Lounge, which is the members-only Discord. So go ahead and sign up and become a member at allchgo.com. I think that's what we have for you. Uh, so thank you guys for listening. We will be back with you, uh, Brendan and I, uh, after the Cubs finish up with the Pirates. And of course, you can check uh, for the CHGO podcast, CHGO Cubs podcast, which will air every day during the week and when the Cubs are playing pre and post games going live. Thank you for listening, and as always, Go Cubs!